If you have your Bibles, we're going to open them to Mark chapter 15, verse 42 to 46. Mark chapter 15, verse 42 to 46. And if we could all rise uh, for the reading of God's word as well. Mark chapter 15, verse 42 to 46. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in that linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray for us before we begin. Heavenly Father, we give thanks that as a church we can gather together in person and virtually, to remember what you have done for us in Jesus. That in your plan of redemption, you would send forth your son to suffer and die for us, not because we were so beautiful and so lovely, but in your infinite love for us, you would seek to make us beautiful and lovely through the giving of your son. And so at this moment, we just pray for your spiritual work in our hearts. Remind us once again of the preciousness of Jesus who would love each and every single one of us here. We just give you thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today's passage is a bit different than I think what most normal Good Friday services are. Um, but I think it's a bit different for a good reason. Um, and I think one of the things that we can sort of see from this passage is that especially as Christians who are living in the time after the first coming of Jesus, but also looking forward, hopefully, to Jesus coming back once again, Joseph Arimathea really embodies for us what it means to live as a Christian. Um, I was perus perusing through some Christian sites for some ideas on what to preach on Good Friday, and you usually expect to see some writings on the nature of the cross, why did Jesus have to die, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I realized that even though today is Good Friday, there is so much focus already on the resurrection. And that's not a bad thing. The resurrection is the truth of our faith. It brings into scope the truth and the reality of the promises of God. That's how we know that God will do what he says. But we as a people, so prone to move so fast because we don't want to talk about suffering, because we don't want to talk about hopelessness or death, we sometimes end up sidestepping the cross. Now, we won't ever say it like this, um, but we would rather appreciate the implications of the cross. We would rather talk about how Jesus paid for our sins and focusing on the benefits of the cross as said recipients, rather than thinking about the cross and the subject matter at hand, that Jesus was crucified. That if the resurrection is the truth of our faith, then it's at the cross we truly experience our faith. And the question for us is, do we, are, do we experience our faith in that manner? 
Because today's passage focuses on the aftermath of that crucifixion and shows us a pattern of taking courage in the darkness of a crucified Savior. When we come into this passage, we enter into the time frame between Jesus' last breath on the cross and his burial into the tomb. After Jesus has been crucified and killed with his dead body still hanging on that cross. Moments have barely passed since then. His disciples have left him in fear. The movement that had begun only a few years ago finds itself ultimately dead in the water. In fact, a week before this, the city of Jerusalem had been in an uproar with energy that had not been seen in centuries. Rumors of the Messiah had filled the minds and hearts and tongues of all the Jews, and yet now those rumors are squashed with Jesus crucified. What now? Here we have an, a curious encounter of someone who is hardly ever mentioned in any other passages, and yet this account is, is recorded in all four gospel accounts with some variations. Joseph of Arimathea. Now we can assume that this is for the historical nature to make mention of someone who was there to presumably affirm that Jesus was indeed dead when he buried Jesus as well as to explain how Jesus got into that tomb. He didn't get up and walk into that tomb. He got up and left, but he didn't walk into it. But I think for us in the church, it's also to be reminded of something that we ought to learn to sit in and reflect over today. See, the passage tells us that Joseph was a respected member of the council, and he himself was someone who was looking for the kingdom of God. And if you look at this passage, it's, it's, it's simple that in this moment after Jesus has died, after the events have taken place of the cross and the crucifixion, after all of this, Joseph took courage. Other translations say that he was having boldness, he was being daring, that he was bearing and enduring courage. Now, if you think about this, he's not a machismo man. He's not someone who's reckless. He's quite the opposite. He's a man, though, for once, is having to expose himself more than he's ever anticipated. He's a man who has so much he tells us he, we, the scripture tells us that he's wielded much religious authority and power. He's a man who is up there in status. He has no reason to side with Jesus in this moment. If anything, he has more to lose now than ever before. To not just be associated with the renegade Jesus, but now to be associated with the crucified Jesus. What good is it to be associated with someone who's lost, who's dead, who's powerless? What good is it to be attached to be attached to a criminal? Some of us may ponder, Joseph, where were you even 24 hours ago? You could have prevented this catastrophe. Where were you when Jesus could have really used you? Joseph is careful, but he makes this transition to being courageous in this inopportune moment, it seems. But Mark writes this, that Joseph himself was also looking for the kingdom of God. Other translations would say that he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He had great hope that the kingdom of God was coming and thus had great hope in Jesus. And yet, in the course of a few days, all that hope seems shattered. Jesus is dead. 
And yet, and yet, Joseph is formulating his resolve, his strength, his courage to go and get permission to bury his hope, his savior, his teacher, Jesus. Joseph took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, one has to note the seriousness of this ask. After he's not just asking for anyone's body, he's asking for the dead body of a criminal who was crucified. That Joseph would forever be associated with this man, Jesus. Is this the way that you want to be known, Joseph, for the rest of your life? To be associated with this man who has been crucified, who has lost, who has nothing. Pilate agrees to grant the dead body of Jesus to Joseph. And what happens? Verse 46 says this, And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in that linen shroud and laid him in that tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of that tomb. Joseph, he brings a linen cloth he goes to that hill that Jesus was crucified on. Jesus is still on that cross. His sides have been pierced with much of his internal fluids and blood having been poured out. His body would have been frail and loose with all the loss of liquid. His skin would have been cold to the touch, being out during the night with no cloth over him. And Joseph comes... And he takes him down from the cross. He holds him so carefully and wraps him ever so gently. Here is his master, his friend, his brother. And he goes to bury Jesus. Perhaps in his courage, he thought maybe Jesus was barely alive and he could resuscitate him. But verse 44, 45 tells us that Pilate grants the corpse. And so Joseph, he comes face to face with the death of Jesus in such a real way and holds that death in his hands. There's nothing more for Joseph. It seems that his hope is gone. But still, all he can do is hold on to that little bit of Jesus he can find and hope that the kingdom of God will come once again. Jesus has this interesting line in Mark chapter 14, verse 22, which is about communion, but it makes an interesting connection here. And as they, the disciples, were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And yet here, it is Joseph who takes the body of Jesus in a way that we would never imagine. Joseph clings to the crucified and dead Jesus. Fleming Rutledge, she's a pastor, theologian, comments that we are too often a people who do not see beyond the cross as though having already been raised from the dead or above the cross as though suffering was behind us or beneath us, but rather we ought to be a people in the cross, surrounded by suffering, sin, and death. And if there's one thing we ought to know about the world we live in, what we ought to know is that all of life is suffering. And that the cross is the surest sign of that reality. That Christ himself in all his glory and majesty will come down from heaven to earth, entering into a state of humility and being killed by us on that cross. Heidelberg question 37 said this, what do we confess when we say that Jesus suffered as taking from the Apostles' Creed? 
that during all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Jesus experienced suffering in all of his life that climax on the cross for us. Think of even how the Apostles' Creed talks about the life of Jesus, that he was born, he was suffered, and crucified. So we cannot simply jump from the cross. We can't jump from the cross straight into Easter. We ought to be in the cross because it's at the cross. It's at this point. It's at this event that we see the reality of the world that we live in. That Jesus lived it and he suffered in it and he died in it. And I think that's what Joseph shows us. That we are a people who have not yet arrived at Easter in the sense that God still has work to do in each of our lives. That we are people who are like Joseph, having to struggle through this world, seeing suffering around us, sin deep within us, and we're waiting for Jesus to appear once again and to take all those things away. But oftentimes in our life, it seems as if it's like Good Friday. Hopeless exhausting and tiring. Joseph clings because he hopes. He hopes in Jesus. He hopes when all things seem lost. You know, sometimes we think of Jesus in the terms of the offices he holds, right? We have a, we have a threefold office that we often attribute to him. We say that he is prophet, priest, and king. And yet when we look at that crucified Jesus, we come face to face with something else. Why? Because we come face to face with Jesus who seems to have failed. That Jesus the prophet fails by no longer being connected to God and speaking for him. Jesus the priest fails by being killed by his own people that he was called to serve and love. That Jesus the king would fail by what? Being overcome by the powers of this world, showing powerlessness. Where is the victory? Where is the redemption? Where is the glory? For those of you in suffering or feeling overcome by sin, sometimes we ask of God to take it away, to assuage us. We hear about the resurrected Christ who has resurrected those around us and changed their lives, and we want that. But sometimes in order for that to happen, God wants us to see that, yes, we are deep in darkness and in death, but so was Jesus. And he had nothing going for him. There's this scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where after Aslan is killed, Susan and Lucy, the two sisters, they come. They see Aslan lying there, laying with his mane shaved off, tied down by ropes, muzzled on his face. And they no longer see him as the great lion with the ferocious mane in the Great War. They see him as this small little weak cat, and yet they come. C.S. Lewis writes this, As soon as the wood was silent again, Susan and Lucy crept out onto the open hilltop. The moon was getting low and the thin clouds were passing across her, but still they could see the shape of the lying, lying dead in his bonds. And down they both knelt in the wet grass and kissed his cold face and stroked his beautiful fur, or what was left of it, and cried till they could cry no more. And then they looked at each other and held each other's hands for mere loneliness and cried again. And then again, were silent. Why do Susan and Lucy come to Aslan when he's died? 
Why does Joseph at this moment come to Jesus after Jesus has lost? Why would, why would anyone come to a man who has nothing to offer? Why do you come to Jesus? Why do people cling to Jesus even in the midst of all their suffering, knowing their suffering on this side of eternity may never end? How helpful is it to know that a day is coming that all things will be made anew when it feels so far away? See, Joseph, he didn't have this great theology that told him, hey, you know, Jesus is coming back real soon, so let's get on this bandwagon before everyone else. No, all Joseph had in this moment in life was the now. And the question before him was really simple. Is Jesus enough even though in this moment he has nothing much to offer you? Did he know that Jesus would come back? I don't know. But I wonder deep down if the Holy Spirit will give him an inkling. Why would a man take courage at a moment like this? Why would anyone come to Jesus at a moment like this? Joseph, it's so dark right now. It's so hard right now. It's so hopeless right now. But do this last thing for the Lord. Honor him even in death. Put it all down. And so Joseph Arimathea, a man looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then he bought a linen shroud and taking Jesus down from that cross, wrapped him in that linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb. Friends, we take courage not because you have the will, not because you have the strength, not because you know how to do the right thing. We take courage because here lies Jesus, failed prophet of the world, shut off from God and left to die. Take courage because here lies Jesus, failed priest of the world, rejected and lynched by his own people. Take courage because here lies Jesus, failed king of the world who would lay down his power and be killed. Take courage because at the cross of Jesus, we see that hope is both gone and yet glimmers remain. God's wrath is poured out, but not on us. Take courage because resurrection life, though not here, is around the corner and it beckons us to Jesus who stands as the firstborn of the dead. That while it is still dark, God does his most wondrous work. Will you believe and take courage? Let's pray.